Paul Rating Gang. Welcome back to the Active Self-Protection Podcast. Excuse me. I, I'm, in, I'm in automatic mode. Steven, I'm so sorry. Welcome back to the Kowski Files. Everyone is sick at my house, and I'm getting well, sick, I think, so I'm a little underwhelmed. This underway. is an Active Self-Protection Podcast. Uh, That's true. It's it one, of the, one of them. It, it is, but it is also the Kowski Files. Anyway, folks, my lack of professionalism aside, welcome back to the Kowski Files. I'm your host, Mike Williver, and with us, as always, is the founder of the reload.com and the host of weekly reload podcast, Stephen Gutowski. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Sounds like your things are a little rough for you. Yeah. I've just literally, we just got done recording with John some badge cams. And, uh, I bet five minutes after that, I started feeling that, you know, that, uh, whatever you call that feeling when you feel like you're getting sick. It's mm. not great. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, my car's not working quite right and I have to do CNN, uh, the morning show tomorrow. So, Hopefully, when I go out there to to start my car, it'll you, actually do you, start. Do you go? To, do you go to a studio to do that? Yeah, yeah. Go into the DC studio. I can do it from home, but um, obviously, they prefer you to go in studio. It's a better experience usually for the audience. So, I mean, whose show um, are you going to be on? Uh, CNN this morning, somewhere around uh, seven forty-five, eight a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Very so. good. Do you know? Do you know what you're there to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about the NRA uh, corruption case in New York, which is actually proceeding forward, uh, and the trial is going to begin next week. So it's a big, important case. I'm sure we will talk about it uh, in the show at some point. But absolutely, um, and we've talked about it in the past, of course, and some of the consequences of the allegations that are in play. But uh, that's what we'll, that's what we'll be ta- covering a little bit on CNN tomorrow morning. So very good. Tune and, in. Uh, has the weekly reload podcast come out this week? And if so, who was on it? Hasn't come out yet, but uh, we actually, we have Robert Leiter, who's a associate professor at George Mason university at the Antonin Scalia law school there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be talking about actually something related to what our main topic here on, on today's podcast is about. So if, if you enjoy what we're talking about here, you might want to check out the weekly reload podcast when that comes out uh, next Monday for, you know, public and then, It'll be out on Sunday for for reload members, of course. But uh, yeah, it has to do with the situation in California with some of these Bruin response laws and and sort of the asymmetry of legal liability between uh, people who are operating underneath these laws that are likely unconstitutional and the people who are enacting and enforcing the the unconstitutional, likely unconstitutional laws. So uh, it's an interesting discussion. I think it it's just something that's been on my mind a lot since this story that we're going to talk about broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, we are here to talk about, let me, let me t- uh, read the headline for the, the kind viewers and listeners uh, over at the reload.com. The article is entitled California sweeping gun carry restrictions go into effect despite court ruling uh, them unconstitutional. That is by our own Stephen Gutowski. Um So Stephen, I think people think, well, a court has made a ruling that's that. That should be the law of the land, or at least of that district. So, what what gives? Why isn't why is it uh, going into effect anyway? Yeah. So, what happened here was uh, a district court judge in the in the federal court system ruled that California's gun carry law, its Bruin response law, which basically, I mean, honestly, it effectively makes gun carry illegal in California, even if you have a permit. Um, so, if people remember, Bruin was about how uh, places like California and New York and and some a few other states uh, essentially didn't issue gun carry permits to 
uh, anybody who, who wanted them or could qualify for them, uh, like you could pass a background check or get the training, but they, they would still deny you if the government official didn't feel like you had a good reason to carry a gun, right? That's what Bruin was about. And in Bruin, the Supreme Court said, you have a right to carry a gun in public for self-defense under the Second Amendment. And so this permitting scheme is unconstitutional, right? Um, but uh, it didn't answer every question about the Second Amendment, of course, or how far these protections extend. And one of the things it talked about are sensitive places restrictions. So that uh, the Supreme Court said you can have some sensitive places restrictions if they're in line with you know historical tradition of banning guns at certain locations like courthouses or uh, polling places, things of that nature. Um, but you can't just make everything a sensitive place. You can't make the whole Island of Manhattan was the example that the court gave. Can't just be declared a sensitive place because it's crowded and has a police force to ostensibly protect people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we've seen since then, as we've talked about a lot on the show is just a lot of these States that were affected by this ruling have passed um, a bunch of new sensitive places restrictions. And one of the big ones they've done um, is what gun rights advocates at least call the vampire rule, which is where uh, all publicly accessible private property, so stores and restaurants, things like that, are off limits to carry even by people with permits unless they explicitly say you can carry there. So they post a sign or something like that. Uh, so it's essentially a, a reversal of how things have been traditionally everywhere up to this point. And that has a very expansive impact. Um, That never made any sense to me at all. Like, again, we talked about this before, but I think it's worth reiterating. Most people, I mean, let's be honest, most the average American isn't thinking about gun laws all day long. It's not something that's in the front of their mind. Mm -hmm. A business owner wouldn't know, you know, they could be totally cool with having people who are armed in their store, but they wouldn't know to put a sign in their front window saying it's okay. It's, it's a really preposterous thing in my opinion. The whole idea of it is kind of silly. And so that's, that's one of the biggest changes in some of these broom response laws and has one of the biggest effects. You know, obviously they, they've also put in a ton of new literally specific places like parks or um, parking lots of different, you know, restaurants or nuclear facilities or, or, um, uh, playgrounds or schools or government buildings or uh, museums or it's basically almost everything you know it is a, some sort of sensitive place under this this California law and you had the district court judge rule that those restrictions were unconstitutional under the Second Amendment under the the Bruin test and um, so that was you know a pretty significant victory for gun rights advocates in California however, the reason that these restrictions went into place anyway, even after this ruling, is um, the state appealed that decision, right, which is, was expected. But uh, the judge in the lower court did not issue a stay. A lot of times what you'll get in these cases is a judge, the government will ask the judge who issues the original ruling to put a stay on that ruling uh, as they consider, you know, appealing the decision. And this judge in a, what's a fairly rare thing refused to do that. And I think he, the reasoning was that all the ruling does in practice is keep the status quo. So California didn't ban guns. It didn't have these gun free zones before January 1st. 
And this ruling came down in December, December 20th, I believe. And so by keeping it in place, even throughout the appeal, you're just keeping the law as it was uh, before the ruling happened. And um, what changed was the, on appeal, the what's called the motions panel. So there's a, and this is getting a little bit maybe geeky here, but there's when you appeal in the federal system, there's the panel of judges. It goes to a panel first, right? The appeals panel, and then it can go to the full ju- the full court after that. Uh, usually, it's, but it'll start at this three judge panel, and they'll hear the whole case. And then if one of the parties doesn't like the outcome, they can ask the entire court to to. Uh, hear the case. And then if, if they don't like the outcome of that, they can appeal to the Supreme court, right? The mm-hmm. final stop. And uh, so this three judge panel, but before you get to the panel that makes the decision on the actual merits of the case, you get uh, what's called a motions panel. And they're just kind of um, the, the middlemen, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, of an appeal, if I'm trying to explain it in layman's terms. Uh, and so, yeah, they're they're like put together to handle like really preliminary motions that come in before the panel that's going to hear the case actually gets picked, right. right? So you got a panel that's taking care of a lot of different appeals uh, on the sort of preliminary steps before the the three judges get to, picked to hear the merits of each individual case, and it gets there's a whole system for how they dole it out and all that stuff. But what happened here is that that motions panel issued a stay on the lower court ruling. So even though that judge had found the law unconstitutional, um, this panel has effectively allowed it to go into, uh, into enforcement because it issued a stay on that lower court ruling, which means that the law is, is not being blocked from uh, law enforcement arresting people over it anymore. Yeah. I can tell you it's anecdotal, right? It's anecdotal for sure, but I can tell you going past the sheriff's range where I used to work in California, um, you always knew when it was the day for CCW people to come in and qualify. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making this up because the parking lot was full of Bentleys and Mercedes and Porsche, you know, expensive Porsches. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not going to say what I think that means, but I think people can infer what that means. Um, Well, to put a fine point on that, though. What's that? There, there were a number of scandals in California and New York over how these old May issue permits got actually handed out in practice, which is that basically you could. There were a number of bribery scandals where, where officials responsible for permitting, either carry permitting or handgun purchase permits or things like that, were bribed basically, <laughs> and that it's often the case that well-connected people and rich people could, which are often one and the same, obviously can uh, get permits when regular people can't. So I don't think that was a coincidence. I'm not saying that campaign contributions to the sheriff's office had anything to do with it. I I don't know. I have no clue, Um, but infer what you will from that information, Steve, and I'm going to keep it kind of short today. I think we're going to issue the evils of sports talk um, (laughs) so that I can, uh, so that I can go live down quite frankly that. That Fine with my, me my, after this last week. My, my dogs and granddaughter are starting to make noise, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. I um, hope you all get a, had a fantastic new year and everybody comes came through that safely. Uh, as always, if you are lamenting the lack of down-the-middle scene silver reporting on the Second Amendment and all things gun-related, go to the reload.com. 
That's thereload.com and consider getting a membership. Stephen does rely on your membership dues to fund his important work. And, you know, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. It is important work. No one is in the exact lane he's in. Uh, and he is, they're breaking stories over there. No one else is breaking and frequently covering stuff that other people would rather either not get covered or don't care about, uh, but is of vital importance to those of us who cherish the Second Amendment and our gun rights. Stephen, thank you, sir. Uh, and as always, you have the last word. Absolutely.